Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. I like reading, as you probably know. And uh, a while back, I was reading a book by Chuck Swindoll, and uh, it's called The Quest for Character. But he told an interesting story that had nothing to do with character that I thought was quite amazing. And he told the story of a man called Robert Manry. Robert Manry is an American. He worked, or he was an American. He worked in a place called Massachusetts in a copy editor's office of a newspaper. And copy editors go through to look for mistakes in print. They sit at a desk all day long. Very boring job. But Robert Manry got a vision for something he wanted to do. And he silently and quietly prepared this vision. So on May the 24th, 1965, he quietly slipped out of the harbor in a little boat, and he sailed this four-meter boat called Tinkerbell, funny name, out of Falmouth, Massachusetts Harbor, and he sailed it single-handedly heading for England. The reason he set sail quietly is because he didn't want anyone to talk him out of it. Because they would think he's crazy. Well, you can imagine, he had to cross busy shipping lanes. He encountered storms, huge waves. His rudder broke three times. So he tied a rope around himself all alone and jumped into the sea and swam there and fixed it, then climbed back on board. And he endured a lot of hardships. And for 78 days, he was on board that ship. He said the biggest monster he encountered in the sea was this loneliness. And he had to overcome that. But finally, having left Falmouth in Massachusetts, after 78 days, he sailed into Falmouth, same name, in Cornwall in the UK. And as he sailed near towards the harbor, you could see it in the distance, he said he thought about a warm bed. He thought about a nice meal. He thought about a hotel, perhaps. He would treat himself. It had been quite arduous. And then maybe he would call Associated Press. They might be interested in the story. He could get some money. And he sailed in. But as he sailed into the harbor, the word had spread. Because when you get a vision, it's contagious. And it didn't just stir him to do something marvelous. It stirred people. 300 vessels came into the harbor blasting their horns to meet him. And 40,000 people stood on the quayside shouting and cheering. Pretty amazing what vision can do. It stirred him to do something dangerous, to, to break out of the bounds of the, of the boring, but it stirred others to rally around him as well. They interviewed him, and this is what he said. He said, if it wasn't for my wife, Virginia, I don't think I could have done it. She was not rigid. She didn't dig in her heels. She didn't oppose my vision. She was fearful and nervous, but she didn't let it show. All the while, she encouraged me and encouraged me, and as a result of her, I was able to make that voyage single-handed in a four-meter boat. You know, when I read that story, I realized that's exactly what God does for us. He cheers us on when we get a vision, and He encourages us because He knows that when we do it, it'll become contagious and it'll inspire other people. Vision is a powerful thing. It stirs the heart, it, it, it awakens the emotions, and it enables us to do the impossible. So this morning, I want to speak to you for your benefit on the incredible value of vision. The incredible value of vision, because you need a vision in your personal life. This church needs one. 
The family needs one, but the nation needs a vision. And when you have a vision, it's amazing what you can achieve. Now, Nehemiah was a man in the Bible. A whole book is devoted to him because he was a visionary. He saw the terrible predicament of Jerusalem. 400 years, the walls were broken down. The people had been scattered in Babylon. And he went and looked at it, but he got a vision for what it could be. And as a result of him presenting the vision, the people got around him. They were inspired. And in 52 days, after 400 years, the walls were rebuilt. That's what vision does. Let me read just a few verses here in Nehemiah chapter 1. This is Nehemiah speaking. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Vision sees the need, but then sees the solution. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He casts the vision, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told him about the gracious hand of my God on me. Vision isn't just something that you cook up in your head. And what the king had said to me, you, you'll attract big people. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Can you see what happens when you see a vision? It inspires people, it attracts support, and it accomplishes amazing things. And we need to be people who get behind our church's vision because last year we got behind Create and we saw things created, campuses were created, and, and, and things were done because we, we, we stepped in, people created businesses. Do you know that when you arrived at church today, did you see people in yellow garments directing the traffic, bringing you in? Everyone see that? That was not our insurance. Our insurance didn't have their contract renewed. So a lady in our church started her own company and we have contracted her, and she brought people into church this morning. She created. Now this year we need wisdom, not the wisdom that comes from men, the wisdom that comes from God. You can rebuild the walls of a nation if you use God's wisdom. But with men's wisdom, you break the walls down. Let me give you two definitions of wisdom this morning. The first definition, definition is this. Vision is looking at life through the lens of God's eye. It's seeing what God sees in your life, who you can be, who South Africa could be. And with wisdom, we can not only know things, but we can become something. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you see your life through God's lens? Or are you looking at the nation and looking at life and looking at government and, and complaining all the time? No, no, we need to see through God's eyes. The second definition of vision is this, a clear picture of a preferred future underpinned by our values. Rivers Church this year is seeing a preferred future, what the future could look like, but our values govern us. The 20 values of Rivers Church, the four pillars of our mission statement, they govern us and we keep moving ahead. You need to have a vision for your life. Do you realize that? Your personal life, your family, your family needs a vision. Yeah, I know my family, you don't know my husband, you don't know. No, you set a vision. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to say these words this year. You write them up in the kitchen on a blackboard. Get one of those chalkboards. Put it on the wall. We're not going to use these words in this house. We're not going to spend money on this this year. We're not going to do this. We're, going to do, we're not going to say, when we get up in the morning, we're going to say good morning. We're not going to. <laughs> How many homes start the day like that? <laughs> Where's the, where's the milk? 
didn't anyone buy? Who ate all the bread? No. You need a vision. This is who we're going to become. Because if you start in the house, when you go to work, you have the same. This business is going to. We're not going to speak to customers like this. Are you with me? So what happens in the church, what happens in the family, what happens in your personal, doesn't matter what the government does or what the country does, you just keep moving forward. Why? Because you've got vision. Many of you have not been taught to have a personal vision. I'm telling you, the Bible tells you without a vision, people perish. They go nowhere, they die, they drop, even as Christians. We've got to see through God's lens and we've got to have a preferred future in mind. Now there's some reasons or some indicators rather, indicators of loss of vision. I give you seven of them this morning. Then I'm going to give you some things that vision does. Are you ready? Now, this is how you can tell you've lost vision. There's loss of motivation. Loss of motivation. There's no energy. You don't feel you're able to work. And you can have this at work. You, you go to work and you just, you feel lazy. Why? Well, they don't pay me enough. No, you don't have vision for who you're going to become. If you had a vision for your life, you would do your best at work because you'd see it as a training ground. But loss of motivation means loss of vision, and it happens to churches. Churches that are once strong can end up just becoming big, and that's where they are. And they never build or they never expand. We've got to constantly have new vision. I don't want to lose my motivation. People say to me, when are you going to retire? The Lord's going to have to take me because what, you want me to sit at home? Do what? Huh? Look at my neighbors. Oh, there they go. There they come. Gee, they're late. Oh, she's getting fat. Oh, he looks ill. Oh, they're naughty. No, I'm too busy getting on with the vision. Motivation. We've got to be careful at church. If, if there's no vision, you don't just stay where you are. You go backwards. And it's the same in your life. I was uh, reading the story of a young man. He was a soldier and he'd been sent to a foreign country. I think he was American. He was sent to a foreign country, and he went to live there. He was stationed there as a soldier, and he met a woman in this foreign country. I think it was in, in Vietnam, and he married her, and they had a lovely life, and he would always tell her about his church. They were both Christians. He said to her, Are you my church? That I, my church is amazing. One day we'll go and visit, and he'd talk about his church and his pastor, and on and on he went. Well, eventually, several years later, they made a trip home to visit his parents, and he said, I'm taking you to my church, and she was all excited. Well, they visited his parents, they drove down the road, and they were off to the church, but as he got near the church, he noticed. Already he could see the parking area was full of potholes, you know, like South African roads, that's how the church was. And as they drove in, you know, into these gullies, he realized, oh my gosh, the paint is falling off the walls, it looks like the place is abandoned, no one's been looking at it. the garden's in a mess, he saw the front door was ajar, he said, oh my gosh, this looks like, it looks like everyone's just left, he went inside, he took her in, he said, the paint's peeling off the ceiling, the paint's peeling off the walls, there's no one there, there's the pulpit, and then he notices something, he says, oh my gosh, Gosh, they walk down, they come near the stage, and they look behind the pulpit, and on the wall, the previous pastor had put up the verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he noticed this, the W had fallen off. So it says, here there is no vision, the people perish. We gotta be careful we don't lose our W. Our motivation. Have you lost your motivation this morning? Number two, another sign is a loss of direction. You don't know where you're going. Churches that don't have vision are always trying out the latest thing. 
gimmicky. Then they enter the Holy Spirit. Then they into Bethel. Then they into Hillsong. Then they into that. Then they into praying for people. Then they not. Then they preach and teach. Then they don't. Then they dance. Then they don't. Then they have lights. Then they don't. Because they don't know where they're going. We know where we're going. We've got a clear vision. And you know what? When your life doesn't have vision, you don't have a direction. And you don't have passion. And you lose your motivation. Number three, a loss of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is, is excitement. Are you with me? You've got to have excitement. Otherwise you, okay, do we have to go to church? We went last week. Oh my, such a journey, eh? And getting into the parking area, my, we need to set up medics out there because some people are exhausted by the time they park. Can I t take my pulse? I'm, I need to get to the auditorium. No, come on. That's a loss of vision. It's not a lack of the power of God. Don't blame me. No, it's you. Because enthusiasm comes from the Greek. En theos means full of God. So if you're not enthusiastic, you're not full of God. Where do you get it? You get it from the wisdom of the word and from the spirit. Number four, a loss of faith. We don't believe things could be different. So we no longer trust God. All we do is we blame people. Number five, a loss of sacrifice. Do you know that to go up, you have to give up? If you want your family to go somewhere, sacrifice is required. If you want a church to go somewhere, sacrifice is required. Do you know the people in this church that have helped us fulfill the vision? People, can I tell you this? You don't, probably don't know it. There are people in this church who have given millions of their money out of their bonds. You know, they've got bonds that are drawn down on them. Given us millions of their rand to help us do what we've done with Kyle Army. We're about to pay them back from miracle offering. They made sacrifice. Why? Because they've got vision. They see the church's vision. They trust us and they go with us. And as a result, the vision gets fulfilled. Support is attracted and we pay them back. We're about to just do that right now. Pretty amazing, eh? So vision is a powerful thing. You'll never lose weight if you don't have a vision. As you go to the fridge, you'll be like, I need it. I, deserve, I worked hard. I, I deserve it. And I'm not pointing fingers. The button is closed today. It's hard. You've got to see yourself thin. You've got to see yourself not, you know. Some people, they get up from their desk at work and they go to the toilet. By the time they get, they've got a hole on the wall. You've got to get a vision of an energetic, what you see, you'll give up for. You see a happy marriage. Ah, uh, yep, you've got to see yourselves. You know what I mean? You've got to see, not in the lounge, not outside moaning. You've got to see the bedroom with the candles, the sheet folded down. Vision. Your family, this church, your business will not go ahead unless you've got a vision. Because when you have a vision, you sacrifice. And when you sacrifice, stuff happens. Number six, a loss of progress. If there's not progress in your life, it's not God's fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's your fault because you don't have a vision. Even if a country is in recession, if you've got a vision, you can go forward. Now, people challenge me on that. I've proved it. We've proved it as a church. No matter what's happening in South Africa, the trajectory of Rivers Church has been up. And it's because we've kept a clear vision of helping people, honoring God, helping people. 
and we've kept going. And we've got to keep our vision in mind. Remember Proverbs 29, 18, it says where there's no vision, the people perish. And vision there is revelation. You, you get to see what could be. And when you, that energizes you. And then you progress and you move forward. Number seven, here's the last one, a loss of discontent. You say, what, a loss of discontent? Yes. When you are too content, that's when trouble comes. Because you're happy with where you are. And you've got to have a divine discontent. Not, not unhappiness all the time, but you can't be content with where you are, otherwise you won't progress. And we have a vision for more. We are older. We've been doing this a long, long time. This church is very successful. We've got a massive reputation around the world that people respect us. We've written books. You don't say, well, you know, now the younger generation. No, 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 no. I need to make progress until I progress right into eternity. Until then, what am I going to do? Am I going to stop? Sit in a chair. I remember the days <laughs> when I used to preach at rivers. Well, the young people can do it now. No, you're going to croak. You're going to die. Off to heaven. No, no, no. I want to stay active. I'm going to lose weight. Stay energetic. Maybe put a bit of color back in the hair. <laughs> You see, Thomas Edison said this, and I want you to remember this. Thomas Edison said, show me a man who is perfectly satisfied, and I'll show you a failure. Are you satisfied? It's because you don't have vision. So let me give you the incredible value of vision. A couple of things here this morning. Are you ready? Number one, vision focuses us. When you have vision, you know where you're going. You know what you're trying to do, and it focuses you. And a lot of us, we think we've got vision, but we've got wishes and hopes. Oh, one day. Do you know one of these days means none of these days? You do know that, eh? One of these days I'm going to lose weight. No, it's none of these days. One of these days I'm going to make money. None of these days. No, wishes and hopes don't do it. Clear vision written down does it. Zig Ziglar, who uh, the late Zig Ziglar was a great uh, Bible teacher and motivational speaker. He said this. He said, people do not wander around then find themselves at the top of Everest. Oh, my word, look where I am. No, vision gets you there. It focuses you. Robert Lawson wrote a book called Greatness Awaits, and he said this, dreams without plans are only wishes. So you've got to see it. Even, even people in business understand it. Movie producers, George Lucas, who, who came up with Star Wars, he, he's the designer of all the Star Wars movies and the originator. He said this, he said, dreams are extremely important. You can't do it unless you can imagine it. So when you've written down a vision, we've written down the vision, where wisdom is the focus, we've printed a book, we've focused on improving the way we think in God. Even the men's conference, have you noticed the theme? The mind of Christ. We're not going to start the theme of wisdom and then six weeks later go off on another tangent. Everything we're doing is building wisdom. Can you see that? And so we need to be focused. And I believe each South African needs a focus on their personal vision. Are you with me? Condoleezza Rice, she was the Secretary of State at one time in America, and she said this. 
She said when people don't have a hopeful vision before them, or the possible resolution of their difficulties by peaceful means, then they can be attracted to violence and separatism. You know what's happening in South Africa? Violence, separatism, we're becoming polarized. Why? Because we don't have a personal vision. When you have a personal vision, you look past everything to what I can become through God's grace. But instead, we're looking, government has become our vision. No, no, God needs to give us a God-given vision. Number two, vision motivates us. When you have vision, it motivates us. Peter Seng, he was a systems scientist in America. He said, it's not what vision is, it's what vision does. Vision motivates you. You can keep going when you've got a vision, even when you have trouble. You can be in a terrible job. People say, how can you work there? No, no, I've got my vision. See, Joseph, when he was in prison, he didn't organize placards. He didn't contact the union and say, you guys need to meet with me privately. Of course, Pharaoh, we need to deal with Pharaoh. And twice now, I've been badly treated. Now, now what did he do? He saw what God had shown him. God gave him a vision. This is what's gonna happen. So what he was seeing didn't affect him because of what he saw. What is keeping you? Because sometimes we complain, 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 and then we think it's the right thing. Yeah, we must speak up, we must call them out, and we use all the worldly wisdom, but you are miserable, everyone around you is made miserable, and you don't move forward. What you need is a vision that sees beyond. Sorry, I'm not looking at this. I know I'm busy here, and I know all of you are talking rubbish, and I know this company is really horrible, and there's racism here, and there's sexism, and, and, uh, uh, but I, God showed me. Watch, keep looking at your vision. It'll motivate you. Are you with me? So important. I, I was reading about uh, uh, Viktor Frankl. He was a survivor from the concentration camps. And when he came out, he, he wrote a book called The Will to Meaning, The Search for Meaning. Uh, used greatly, he traveled around the world and spoke to people about how he survived the concentration camps. And, and he used to go and speak to audiences all around the world before he passed away. And when he'd stand in front of the audience, he'd say this. He'd say to them, good morning or good evening. You are the reason I'm alive. And they'd be like, huh? We don't know you. What do you mean? And he'd say this. He'd say... Even though I've never seen you before, I've seen you in my mind a thousand times. When I was in the concentration camp, I kept seeing people I'd be speaking to and inspiring because I saw myself out of here. Vision propelled him. But too many of us are trying to change the concentration camp. Lower fences, better food, more benefits. The guards mustn't be so violent. No, no, have a vision. Vision will propel you beyond all that cruelty, beyond all that negativity. Are you hearing me today? And not many of you are clapping. Number three, vision inspires everyone. Vision inspires everyone. You know, when you've got a vision, everyone around you catches it. They get inspired by you. And we must have a vision because vision gives birth to great organizations, great businesses. Even Oliver Tambo, over a hundred years ago said this. He says, we have a vision of South Africa in which black and white shall live and work together as equals 
in conditions of peace and prosperity. He didn't just be, he wasn't just inspired. The ANC came to birth and people have rallied behind that organization for over a hundred years. Why? Because he had a vision. Vision rallies support. It inspires everybody. And some of the DA people are going, does he vote for the ANC? Don't go there. <laughs> this is about the principle. Are you with me? Any person with a vision will inspire others because they paint a picture of a preferred future. And we constantly got to see a preferred future of South Africa before our church, before our lives as individuals. Can you say amen? amen. Chuck Swindoll said, vision is the ability to see God's presence and plan even amid obstacles. When you have vision, it affects your attitude. Your attitude is optimistic rather than pessimistic. Your attitude stays positive rather than negative. Not foolishly positive, as though in fantasy, for you are reading God into your circumstances. Number four, vision attracts support. Some people say, if only someone would help me. Get a vision, someone will help you. And some people feel, oh, some people get all the luck. No, no, no. You know, you can meet someone who's got nothing. They've got absolutely nothing. And when you talk to them, all they will tell you is, oh, my life, you know what happened? You know what they did to me? Do you know where I live? You know, my mother died. Then you know my auntie, and then my uncle abused me. And then I went to this job, you know, then they kicked me out. And then, how many of you feel inspired to help them? Anybody in the room? But when you meet someone who's got nothing and they say, I've got nothing, man, I've had it hard. My mother died, my father died, and my sister got killed. You know, my best friend, they stabbed him. But you know what? God showed me that I've got a better future and I'm trusting him. I'm like, let me find money, let me help you. Come here, speak to Nuska. Because vision attracts support. And we've got to be people who understand that because vision is such a powerful thing. It inspires everyone and it attracts support. People want to get somewhere, but, but, but they don't see that. They don't see that, don't understand that. And um, Sam Walton said this, and I want the business people to pay attention to this. He said this, and you know, Sam Walton founded Walmart. Walmart's bigger than Macro or any of our uh, shopping center, our um, chain stores in our country. Walmart is huge in America, hundreds of stores. And he said this, he said, capital isn't scarce, vision is. And you know, I talk to people all the time. Oh, no, in this country, you don't get a loan if you're black. Oh, oh really? And I talk to white people. No, if you're white, you're, hey, they don't give you money anymore. Oh, really? So what, you see, you can make so many excuses. No, capital isn't scarce. Vision is. The bank wants to know what's your vision. How passionate are you? Can you see it? Will you sacrifice? Or do you want to, them to finance your fantasy? Come on. Vision attracts money. The bank visits us every year. Do you know there was a time when the bank didn't want to know me? Pastor Andre's coming. He's going for lunch. The bank manager's gone, boy. I chase him around the corner. Chase him around the corner. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's gone, boy. He's I sat outside the bank manager's office just to get a few hundred thousand out of him. Ask that same bank today. A delegation comes to see us to evaluate our assets. Man, every year you grow. It's amazing. Vision. Attract support. Vision guides us. Quickly, I'm nearly done. Vision guides us. Are you benefiting today? Vision guides us. It's like the train rails. And you see, some people think, oh, God's got to give me a vision. 
He's got to speak. Hello. Dumasani. Do you hear me? Dumasani. No, no, no. You know, when the, listen, when the Apostle Paul was called by God and God gave him a vision, the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, what did he see? He saw bright light. He heard a voice. That was, that was vision. He said, I saw vision. God said to him, you know what, Paul? You're going to suffer. I'm going to use you to preach to the Gentiles. Chips, God's gone. It's like, excuse me, can I have some details? Now God says, no, I've given you the broad picture. You're intelligent enough to fill in the blanks. Now you study, we don't have time this morning, but you study, even making notes, Acts chapter 16. He says, we tried to go here, we tried to go there. We tried there, but the door was closed. The Spirit of God prevented us. Then during the night, we saw a man from Macedonia in a vision, and he said, come over here. Concluding that the Lord was leading us, we went to Macedonia. It's not clear cut. The general is given, then you need to, oh, okay. And sometimes God gives you stuff for now, for then, for then. Do you know when you take photographs, look at this photograph. When you take a photograph, there's several elements to every photograph, and it's exactly the same with a vision for a church and for your life. Notice here, there's stuff in the foreground, there's stuff in the middle ground, there's stuff in the background, and there's things on the horizon. Most of us, everything's in the foreground. Then at the end of the year, when we haven't seen it come to pass, we come to miracle offering. Lord, do it now. You see how I'm sacrificing. No, there's some things that Rivers Church will do now. There's some things that'll be in the middle ground. We might get a campus for Centurion, middle ground. We might get it in the background. We don't know, but our vision is clear. Durban Church has got a new building on the horizon. The people are saying, where is it? Show me pictures. No, no, it's on the horizon. <laughs> Next year, shoop. It might come to the middle ground. The year after, we'll show you pictures. Ah, but you see, the vision's always been there. You need to have that in your life. See, some of you have got everything in the foreground. Job, wife, husband, BMW, Merc. It's all there on the rock. Father, I see it. I believe it. Now you freaked out because you haven't understood how God lays out a vision he did for Joseph. 13 years. And you keep at it. Vision's not something you have for weeks or months. It's years. God's already given me vision for five years down the road. What my ministry will look like. What my life will look like. What rivers will look like. And it'll unfold. And suddenly you'll get to see. We'll, we'll bring it from the horizon to you. Shoop, and you'll be like, oh, when did God speak? Five years ago. Vision guides you. Let me come to a close. I love this. Quickly, Audrey Essie Swatson. I love her story. She's the youngest commercial female pilot in Ghana. 22 years old. You say, how lucky is she? No, no, no. She had a vision from the time she was young. Did her first solo flight at 19? This is the advice she offers, and you can see why she achieved what she achieved. She says, you hold yourself to high standards, collaborate and support others, set specific goals, take one day at a time, yet having a long-term vision and plan. You need to think long-term, then have goals. You can be amazing, because vision guides us. Have you been helped today? 
Let me close this morning, and I'm going to pray with you in a moment, but I'll say a few things. I don't want you to miss this this morning. I, some years back, I think it was way back in 1998 or 99, and I think it's in one of my books, I told a story of a man called John Rubling. John Rubling is the designer, the civil engineer, who designed the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. Brilliant civil engineer. He came up with a concept of a suspension bridge. The concept was quite new at the time in the 1800s, 1889. And he started building it. It took 13 years to build. But John Rubling and his family were involved in it. Sadly, he got an illness. And within the first year, he was dead. So what are they going to do? Well, Charles Rubling, his son, had worked with his father. And it caught the vision from his father of this new kind of bridge, this amazing new concept, and he carried on the work. Well, when you build a bridge like that, you've got to go down into a very deep river. So they had these metal cages, you know, closed in with glass windows, and they'd let them down into the water to see what was going on and to see what, the, you know, what was taking place with the concrete and so on. And then they'd pull them out. But in those days, they didn't know what we know today. They'd pull them out the water too quick, and they got oxygen in their system. Charles Rubling was paralyzed. So he lay in bed. But you know what Charles did? He passed the vision of the bridge onto his mother. And his mother, Emily, she ran with it. And he lay with, in the bed with a telescope looking out the window of a hospital while she was giving instructions and a bridge was being constructed. Now here's the thing. The father has designed the bridge. Then he sent his son to fulfill the vision, but the son couldn't stay because he died. But the son passed the vision onto the bride of the father, which is the church. And now the church is left to fulfill the father's vision of bridge building to a lost and broken world. So we need to do it. We need to do it. But you can't fulfill the father's vision unless you have a personal vision for your life. As I close this morning, I'll pray with you in just a moment. I'm not going to make anyone stand up. I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to pray. People are going to receive Jesus this morning. John Maxwell tells the story of when he was 22 years old. He was a pastor in a church. His secretary came into his office one morning. She was much older, and she gave him a gift. He unwrapped it, and it was a book. He said, oh, thank you very much. He looked at the title. It says, the greatest story ever told. He picked it up. He thought, oh, my gosh, she thinks this will help my preaching. The greatest story ever told. He quickly opened it immediately and he found all the pages were blank. He went to her and said, I think there's something wrong. The pages are blank. She said, no, no, no. The greatest story ever told is the one that you will write with your life. And God is waiting for you to fulfill his vision for your life and to write the story. And just recently, John Maxwell said that across the world, not only is he a great leader, they have trained six million leaders across the world. He wrote the story, the greatest story of his own life. Why? Because he had a vision for what he was doing. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 